Just do you want to make a TikTok where you do that? No, I don't. Do it, Mark. I didn't and know then what I was everybody go on my TikTok and follow me. Keep going. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Draftsman Podcast. This is the Draftsman Podcast. With me, Stan Brikopenko, art, artist and teacher, and... Me, Marshall Vandruff, art instructor. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, things again. Didn't expect there to be a microphone in the way. <laughs> What's happening right that now? That is strong. Uh, Sean told me that that... Tezo passion tea was strong. That looks like coffee. Yeah. Hi, anyway, <laughs> hi Marshall. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm I'm excited to continue this uh, this little series that we've been going. That's on right. With. We've been doing a series. I haven't seen you since a while ago. No. Tell me about what this series is. <laughs> Remind me. Orient. Me. Just discard the illusion. <laughs> so we we're talking about art schools um, yeah. in the first episodes we did pros and cons of going to art school we talked about how to get the knowledge that mm -hmm. you would get from art school if you don't go and then also how to create the structure for yourself that yep. school provides for you if you don't go so we got knowledge and structure that you lose if you don't yeah. go to art school can you get them another way yeah so that's what we already did in the previous episodes now we're continuing it and we're going to talk about mentorships that's another thing you get from art school and if you're not going to go how do you recreate the mentorship part of it? This may be one of the toughest ones to get. It's uh, <laughs> It was one of our big pluses of art school. That's and you true. have things to say about it, but some of the I things you've said, you've said in last season. Should we rehash just, any of that? We will. We should ask how you're doing. I just feel like from the look on your face that I'm neglecting something like, oh, you had a new baby or something like that. <laughs> what, what is it that Why I'm... didn't you tell us that? I did not have a new baby. Nothing happened. I saw you yesterday, Marshall. We recorded oh, that's the right. previous yeah, we, we four recorded episodes yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. yeah, not much has happened between then. And I don't now. like lying to them. Yeah. Well, how do we define mentorship or should we uh, talk about something else first? Uh, I got gonna... a letter from a student about... Uh, uh, I've been attending a very renowned art school for three years, and I feel that I experienced the best and worst that it had to offer. Teachers in art school will make or break your experience. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it depends. If the teachers are kind of extremes, if, it's a, if your teachers are all really bad, it'll break your experience. If the teachers are all really good, it'll make your experience. But if they're all kind of good, some are bad, I don't think it'll make or break it. Yeah. I think it depends on all the other factors. I feel like this student had a very bad experience, <laughs> even though he... he Otherwise, he wouldn't have he, written it, yes. He started with the best and the worst. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of worsts coming up here. There are art teachers who will open up a world of opportunity to you and get you excited about your artistic vision. There are also teachers who will tell you to stop thinking about your vision because you need technical skill to execute it. There are teachers who will tear your work to shreds and there are teachers who will give you a needle of critique in a haystack of praise. The, there are teachers who aren't good at communicating and who will confuse you. There are teachers who will leave class hours early who will disappoint you. There are teachers with zero flexibility who will frustrate you. <laughs> Maybe I should have read this more carefully. <laughs> that might be me. 
Researching your teachers is vital. If you can at least know what to expect from a certain teacher or class, it'll save you a lot of heartache. Another thing, the academic plan. All schools will have a plan of courses you need to take to obtain your degree, but I have a beef with the academic plan. I wouldn't have found my passion animation if I had followed my academic plan. Some of my favorite courses, in fact, were the ones that I either took out of order of the plan or that weren't on the plan at all. The point of the plan is to keep you on track so that you graduate as soon as possible. But there's another problem. Art is hard. If you're coming from a place with very little training, then graduating in four years is possible. But by the end of those four years, the burnout will be something to behold. Art school will give you access to different media, different potential jobs, and all sorts of exploration, but it's up to you to do that exploring. If you spend the four years to get a fine arts degree and then realize that your true passion is CGI years later, what then? The biggest advantage of art school is networking. Everything else can be achieved through study and discipline, but the huge network of teachers and students you get to know in an art school's community is very beneficial. What he said towards the end there, that it's up to you to explore. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Now, here is the thing that we dealt with. Here's what we dealt with in the last one about structure. Okay. If you have trouble disciplining yourself, many of us do, then art school is incredible for building that muscle. It took me two semesters to get the hang of time management. But once I had control of it, it was a skill I never fully lost track of again. That's like that habit thing that you were talking about, reducing friction or coming up against friction and overcoming it. The rigidity of a schedule and classes laid out for you is a great motivator. Unfortunately, it also means that if you're close to the deadline on a project, you have a moment of discovery that may culminate as an evolutionary breakthrough in your art style and no time. That project needs to get done ASAP. Or does it, right? What you turn in doesn't have to be the end of that project. Only if you're trying to get credit for what you do. But it's not all about just that credit. It's about your development, too. You could turn that in when the deadline's over and then keep going. In all of my years at the community college, I missed one deadline. And I talked with the teacher about it, and he gave me an extension on it. So I carried it into summer, but it was a a picture I I spent over 100 hours on. Mm -hmm. And it was important in forging my style. And uh, he, he also trusted me because I'd been in his class before and it's like, this was a big deal. So there was some flexibility there. But again, what if, what if he'd failed me? What difference would it have made if I had just said, uh, I'm going to just do this this summer? Hey, here's something that I've noticed about all of these years teaching in colleges. At the end of the semester, I find that because things have come to fruition, the finals are done. If I get the grades in, for example, that I get really creative because there's a blue sky ahead. And I've mentioned it to students, and I've seen that some students do and some students don't. The ones who don't are the ones who are burned out. They just can't wait to collapse and crash from after all of that. But there are some who say, yeah, the same thing happens. You're bringing one thing to closure and you're ready for the next one. And I did find that I did some of my best projects as a student right after the semester ended because Mm. I've been filling myself up with now I've got my winter break or I've got my summer break to work on this project and apply everything. The structure of art school also makes it extremely easy for the school to make changes and extremely difficult for you to affect What does that mean? That means you don't have any influence on the curriculum. 
I chose to leave art school after three years when my chosen major moved in a direction that I was no longer happy with. For, that first time, for the first time, I felt that the cost of my education did not match what I was gaining from it artistically. I'm not the only one who felt this way, but efforts to express this to administration were fruitless. I'm now studying independently with online courses and community college courses, and though I miss my dream school, I'm confident that I left at the right time. P.S. Early Proco videos got me into art school, and I'm still studying Proco courses after leaving art school. Full circle. That's right. Well, that was a plug. <laughs> is this why you that read was, that? <laughs> the email is from Phoenix Baldwin. When Phoenix emerges, <laughs> you will say, that is the Phoenix. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you, Phoenix. Can you summarize last season's insights into about the difference between gaining knowledge and getting a mentor is that a mentor gives specific advice to this student. It's not just lecture and giving a, a course. Oh, okay. And, and you had a number of things to say. In fact, we devoted at least one entire episode to one aspect of this. Which, what, which aspect was that? Was the AI episode. Oh, so I feel like there are two major things that a teacher or mentor can provide to a student. One of those things can be replaced and probably will be replaced soon, within the next few decades, I think, with AI. And that's the really technical stuff, the stuff that could just be done with math. Computers could do that way better than humans. And so, of course, they're going to be able to teach perspective and grade you on your perspective accuracy and your proportion accuracy much better than a human will be able to. Mm -hmm. But there's a thing that humans can do much better, which is the mentorship part of it. Um, and that's the thing that art school is really beneficial for. Mm -hmm. And that is being the big brother, being a parent, which is not always just telling you how to fix your problems, but also just supporting you throughout the process, knowing what you need beyond knowledge, fixing your mistakes. It's supporting you emotionally, just giving you general advice about life, telling you to take a break. Things that are really difficult right now to, for a, like a computer to do. Yeah. And that was the main feedback that people gave of, you know, I don't want a computer. A computer can't do this. And that was one of the main things I brought up as how is it going to be in touch with your vibe, with your emotion, with these intangibles that the computers don't, don't get yet. Yeah. So since we don't have that kind of AI yet, there were some lessons you mentioned about what makes good mentorship that AI could excel in better than a human. Yeah. And there were some principles about how the feedback should be given. Are you talking about the feedback loop? Yeah. What is the feedback loop? Um, the feedback loop is a loop of oh, feedback. It's like a little... <laughs> it keeps going and yeah. going. You pref you're when you're learning something, anything, it's not just art, you perform an action. And when you're brand new at it, you'll probably get it wrong. So you need to very quickly get some kind of feedback on how is this thing that I just did wrong? So that you can then change your action and get feedback again. Is it wrong in a different way? Is it wrong in the same way, but just a little bit less of it? You know, just feedback to how you're improving, how you're changing. The faster you can be going through this loop, the faster you will improve because the faster you are changing. Mm -hmm. And if you're smart about your studies, you're changing in a positive direction. So that's so the feedback loop. Fast and often fast and is often. important. It's not like I'm going to do something for six months and drill myself into habits. 
Yeah. It's that I do this for 20 minutes or I do it for an hour or I do it for a day. Yeah. And the quicker the feedback and the more regular the feedback, the better. Yeah. And it depends on the action or the thing that you're trying to improve on determines how fast you can get feedback. Some things you can get feedback from in 10 minutes. Some things you can get feedback on in a second. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're learning how to play basketball. You shoot that ball, you will get feedback immediately. Did you make it in or not? Mm-hmm. How far away was it from the hoop? Yeah. Uh, you get that feedback right away. With art, it's not that obvious. You, you kind of need someone to come and tell you where your mistakes are because sometimes we're blind to our mistakes. And that's where even a virtual classroom, even if you're just in on Skype or with a, a mentor regularly and they're seeing mm-hmm. your work and they're giving you feedback, you pretty much got that by way of virtual for online feedback, right? What? If somebody's doing gestures uh-huh. and they're showing the gestures daily, a teacher oh. can look at them online. I, yeah. I mean, we did Good. we did great feedback at that online school from 2010 to 2013 uh, because one of the that, things that school that school I, the reason I don't mention it is because it's it doesn't exist anymore and also because it went down in flames. But <laughs> the uh, it was the greatest art education experience I ever knew of, and a lot of the students that came there came there because they wanted these specific teachers who were all over the world. That was the first time you could get it. I would consider that a school, though. I wouldn't say was, this, yeah, is it was part, this is like a, a way to recreate art school. That, that is art school. That is art school. It's just, it's an, just online an online art school. Art school. Yeah. How much yeah. was it? How much did it cost a student to enroll in? Well, if you want to get into that, I could I could tell you. The whole program for three years was $30,000. $10,000 oh. a year. And yeah, you had John that's... Foster as a teacher. You had George Pratt as a teacher. You had Sterling Hundley as a teacher. You had Ron and Vanessa as a teacher. Yeah. I was a teacher there. We had we had wonderful groups. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Jones, Android Jones was a teacher there. He did the advertisements for Painter to show what you could do with Painter that were really psychedelic, surreal, mm, symmetrical yeah, stuff. Mark English was a guest. James Gurney was a guest. Uh, yeah, John they, English. We, we just, you know, the guests. thing is, students came to that school because they wanted to study with these teachers. Yeah. And I got to know a number of them that came here in uh, to San Diego. And uh, one of them told me, the reason I came to TAD is because it didn't offer degrees. Yeah. I wanted to study with these teachers. And I started mm-hmm. to see a difference because the first time I ever taught in li- online in 2010. And in classes, before we started to do digital critiques, students would put their stuff up on the wall and you have a whole wall of work. And then a number of students would kind of huddle back in the shadows and not pay any attention to anyone else's work. And even when their own work was being critiqued, it's on the other side of the room. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's work is front row center. And so you get to see who's shining and who isn't, who needs help in one way or another. And it becomes much more... Uh, mentorship and in a group because you're getting specific feedback for this. And there was also accountability with it too. You know that you're going to put your work up and it's going to be the only thing you can look at on your screen. Some students don't really like having their homework put up in front of the whole group so that it's a single slide. Well, too bad. That's right. I'm (laughs) figuring that, yeah, but most students are benefiting from this and it is rehearsal for what your career yeah. is going to be like. Yeah, so can that's you imagine why I'm sticking with that. Those students not getting through that fear and then trying to get a job and not wanting to put their artwork out in front of their boss while it's in progress and getting feedback. You, they have to get over that. I want to hear so them, you have I want to them to hear it from them. you. Huh? I want them to hear it from you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's uh, it's how it relates to mentorship is that this is the work that you did this week. It's up in front of all of us. We're giving you feedback directly on that. I like it that way. I think it's improved classroom experiences to take them off of the critique wall where everybody's removed from it and turn it into a show. I always hesitate to bring up Perco 2.0. Tell me what, what you want to bring up about it. It's just that it, this is going to be such a big part of it because this is the element that is lacking the most, I think, outside of art school that I, I'm trying to get a platform out that's going to be fixing it. It's going down that path of improving mentorships online. There, there's going to be a lot of features that do that. Yeah. Take a slow approach. When, I, when we launch the platform, it's going to be very basic. It's the MVP, the, mo- the minimal viable product of what it can be. And then we have to get feedback before we start heading in a direction. Mm-hmm. Because we can work on this platform for 10 years, make it the best thing we think is possibly it can exist for an online school community and mentorship type of thing. And then we launch and it doesn't work or students are like, wait, what? I don't want that. They're like, oh crap, we made all these assumptions and we went down this path and you can't do that. You can't launch something so complicated, finished. Mm-hmm. So at launch, it's going to be very basic and then we we start developing features to put on top based on what students need. Yeah. So at launch, the only thing that we're going to have is people, um, they post, they can say, this is a request for help, or this is just like a comment. I'm just like commenting on a post. Yeah. And when somebody requests help, people can respond to that as like a help response. There's going to be a whole point-based system where people are rewarded for doing all these actions. Helping people is rewarded a little bit more. We will also get things like more private mentorship things, kind of like what some people are doing on Patreon right now. Stephen Bauman has a pretty successful one on Patreon where he Skypes with people mm-hmm. one-on-one and he has like, you know, a very limited amount of slots left or not left, but every month he has a limited amount of slots. They're always filled up. So there's a wait list. His wife, Cornelia Hernandez is doing the same thing and hers is all filled up. Scott Flanders is launching one. And by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be already launched. So go look up Scott Flanders on Patreon. But doing that sort of thing in a place where you could scroll through all the teachers all in one place. And these are the people that are offering you mentorships and you can see what kind of things they will teach you yeah. instead of them being scattered throughout Patreon and trying oh. to find them. Because I'm sure there's more than just those three, but I don't know any others. Stan, um, this, is, this is kind of a, a bit of a dream that I've always had for a physical place. I know you're not interested that in brick and mortar, but here's, let me give you the idea of what I always thought. Is that you have a campus. One of the great things about a college, which we're going to get to, is a campus. When I first started teaching at a university in, in uh, North Orange County, I was so thrilled to be on this campus that had all these resources, and I kind of wished that I'd gone to university. Mm-hmm. But that well, wouldn't it be nice to have a campus that's got these good things, but instead of such a rigid curriculum, you had a fluid curriculum, which would mean that you might have a class there that goes four days, you might have one that goes four weeks, you might one that goes all year long, and it is at least partly related to student demand and request, student need, and it does not take a long time to make these things happen, you have a guest come in and they can teach a particular subject. People see we need that. How many can you fill in to make it profitable? Like a workshop. Yeah, a workshop. But the thing is, it's a campus that is mainly built around ad hoc classes, workshops, the stand, how would you hold the standards up? 
I'm not sure how. That's what I'm trying to think of. And I'm wondering how you're going to hold the standards up. Initially, the content that's on the site, right now it's, it's just pretty much my, my courses and then we got Court Jones and some of the demo, mm-hmm. uh, Masterpiece demos that we have. When we launch, I mean, we're already working with a few other teachers and it's going to be closed. I'm not going to let anyone just post courses on there okay. initially. Yeah, that makes it's sense. It's going to be all curated. I want to make sure that it's good instruction only. I think the the natural progression of that though is going to be that it's going to end up being an open marketplace for people to post their tutorials and sell them and there but by then we will already have in place a method to filter or for the students to filter out and, and pick the best one because then it, it goes from being um, Netflix which is all curated okay. to being YouTube which has so much content on there you have to look for the good stuff and you have to have something in place to be able to recommend to people what they need automatically and we don't have that yet so we have to curate it ourselves and say this is closed the so there'll be different levels of mentorships being able to get feedback you'll be able to get feedback from the community Mm -hmm. which is open so anyone can kind of give you feedback same with like you know facebook groups and stuff like that eventually paid critiques where we'll have people who have proven they are good at giving feedback to people can now start charging, you know, making a little bit of money on the side of by providing feedback to people. And then we have the mentorship type things where you'll have like actual one-on-one sessions with people, uh, Q&A live streams where people can, like if you, let's say you upload an image, an illustration you did, people can draw right on top of it. Just click the little pen button and say, no, here, 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 this, this, just little things here and there. So conceivably, an expert who knows one thing really well, like watercolor papers, Uh Uh, you know about Handprint, uh, a website that, that, I mean, just it's a resource of the knowledge about watercolor supplies. Just, uh, it, it was one of the first and it's still one of the best. If not the best, handprint. handprint? Yeah. they make paper. No, no, it's a, it's a uh, watercolor enthusiast's dream to go there and find out about all the materials and hmm. testing the materials and recommendations. The website. And, and, yeah, oh, okay. I haven't been on it in years, so I'm I'm maybe speaking out of uh, what's currently okay. happening. But, but there's an example of people who know so much about watercolor, yeah. and they may decide. Why not put together the ultimate crash course in watercolor uh, supplies? And we're going to do yeah. uh, paints, papers, and brushes, and then and and they could sell that. Uh, that could be something on Proco 2.0, right? Yes. And then if it's popular, and then we say now we're going to do one on techniques and analysis of masters and that kind of thing. And so and those are the kind of things that could be fluid enough to where you could say now we're going to do one on pen and ink supplies and. The different why you'd use a traditional pen and what the difference is between a calligraphy pen yeah. and all those other things, but you're making a portal, a platform, a platform. Yes, okay, I don't know. Um, and this is to connect online students who need mentors and potential mentors. Yeah, not initially. Initially, we won't have mentorships. Initially, it's going to be mostly just community driven. But so here's one of the issues about getting a mentor. Yeah. Is it you got to pay the mentor? You've got to. Yeah, that part yeah. will be paid. Okay. They have to. I mean, th- this is the thing that they, that's how they make money. I mean, Scott Flanders, he, he recently quit Riot and he's I pretty open about it. We actually might have him on this podcast. Yeah. And he, he's open to talking about his experience um, and why he quit and what he wants to do. But mm-hmm. he wants his, free, his freedom to create, to help other students and because he gets a lot more fulfillment from that sort of thing. But in order to do that, you can't also be working at Riot. 
So well, yeah, get, conceivably, but not not, not nearly as time. much. Yeah, right. I mean, he can mentor one student, right? And Scott's Who's, a good mentor. He's got a good reputation. He's a very good We've mentor. Got students in common, and I hear nothing but good things from students about what they get from the time he takes to give you feedback yeah. that is specific to the project, specific to you. I want to throw something in here okay. about mentors that. The idea of committing to a full four-year program at an art school is one thing. But there's another thing. Take a class. You can take individual yeah. classes. And some of the best artists in the world do. At CDA, you've got professionals coming in there regularly to take classes from other professionals. I had a student who, when he was 18, studied with me for about four years and he went off he never finished school he went off to be an illustrator and an art director on a big tv show and then he quit that and he's working for netflix now he's in his 40s now mm -hmm. and he came back and took the class from me again just this last term so i've been able to keep in touch with him and he said that, you know it's good to take it a, a second time and it's local because he's, he's there in hollywood and it's in pasadena so you can still take classes from teachers that can mentor you and give you feedback on the projects. It's, is it really mentorship when you are taking a class for a short period of time? And it's a dose of mentorship. It's a little like, yeah. It's a little, little bit. It's not the same as yeah. the one-on-one, -on -one, but some teachers in the classroom are mentors. I have been a mentor to many students who are one of 25 in this class or 15 in this class, but they were developing a style, they were developing a skill, they put stuff up, I, I, you know, they've got their stuff up for critique, they're open to it, they write it all down. They were students who saw the class as homework assignments and feedback on homework assignments are mentorship. So yeah, that's where you are getting in on the knowledge, the structure, and the feedback specifically for how I'm doing. Right. I get so many people wanting me to give them feedback. I'm sorry, I just cannot get back to all of the Facebook yeah. requests and the email requests. They're just, they start to stack into the hundreds. And my response is usually, if you're in the area, take a class from me. That way it's my job. I will be 100% present in class. I am not a teacher who leaves early and uh, I'll give you feedback. And we just don't have it online yet. That's why I keep asking about Proco 2.0, it's not just to plug it, it's that for me, it might be a way that I'm gonna have back what I lost when Tad self-destructed. Okay. One of the things that you mentioned when we first started this episode is that mentor, it's, hard, it's really hard to get a mentor. If you're not in school, like how do you get one? And we talked about this in another episode last season is that like, one big thing is that like you have to be mentorable yes right like you you have to have give the mentor a reason to pick you up and carry you with them. yes <laughs> i know and if you're annoying and yeah. you don't show any promise people aren't going to try to mentor you you are a suitor Not asking the favors of the mentor yes. and therefore you will say i have this and this and this to offer you know someone we both know that is probably the best person at getting mentors i think i know who is it christian yeah 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 oh, he what is, is it best. how does he get so many mentors i was talking about him today i spent five minutes talking about him today with someone that he he loves people 
Yeah. He's gregarious. So he, he's just, he, he's definitely an extrovert. He also knows so many people in the industry. He was just raised in an environment where he's around it. Yeah. And, uh, and he wants to do it. And also he's got a hero. He's got a role model. It's Shep Gordon, the guy who was the the manager for Alice Cooper and others. And so he's got someone, this guy works well with people. I want to be like that. So yeah, he is, as he's developing, getting those qualities where you would want to mentor him. Okay, look, we're talking about, this is exactly what you don't do in social situations. You don't (laughs) talk about someone who other people don't know and then continue to go on and on. Well, okay, well, that's no, not somebody I, I, I know. What I'm so trying to we do, should show a picture of him and say, for sure, we'll be see. like Christian. Be like Christian. But no, I'm I mean, trying to figure out. He's already been part of the podcast. Yeah, he was Christian's crazy oh, questions. Oh, that's right. But you know what? He doesn't approach the mentors as like, hey, I need someone to help me. He approaches them and says, how can I help you? Doesn't he? Well, he, he did, totally he did approach to... me asking me if I could help him, but you're right. Oh, totally. I mean, okay. Yeah, and, and, and I said he yes. Didn't, uh, he didn't... He wanted, he, we went for a walk together. We went for a couple walks together. Yeah. And then as time went on, it was like, yeah, how can I contribute? He has definitely got a spirit of how I can contribute. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's why okay. I think he tracks so many people. Yeah. I just see him looking for ways to help others all he the does, time. Yeah. And by what ends up happening is that he ends up being friends with all these people that are really in a place to help him. Yeah. He has connected me with more people that I would never have had any yeah. connection than anyone else I know. So he, he is he is Malcolm Gladwell's uh, connector in uh, the tipping yeah. point. There's a salesman, the connector, and the maven. And he's really strongly a connector. Yeah. Now, we're talking about Maybe somebody who knows. we should have him. We should. We should be like, yo, what is your secret? I spoke with him just last week. He's in England. He may never yeah. come back here. But yeah, anyway, I, the reason I brought it up is because I wanted to figure out what it is so that other people could do it but i mean i think that's the big one there is that don't approach people by asking them to help you some will but also just look for ways you can help back yeah you know like i get a lot of help from christian i feel like it's an equal relationship now i want to throw something in here okay when we talked about mentorship last season, I started to tell a story about Thomas Blackshear being mentored by the great illustrator Mark English because I knew Thomas. We were roommates for a week at Drew Struzan's workshop, and I knew Mark because he was part of his, his son, John English, was one of the founders of TAD, and I got to know him, and then I started to find out they knew each other, and there was a mentorship that went on there, mm-hmm. and it was a big deal in Thomas's life. And I told the story of it, and I got it all wrong. <laughs> and so we cut it out. But then I called Thomas, and we, he gave me about an hour of telling me how it happened. Okay, and so you want to retell that story? I want to tell it, and I won't take an hour. I'll take a minute. Start Thomas the clock. did some paintings that uh-huh. Mark was so impressed with. It was for a workshop or something. Mark was so impressed with it that he invited Thomas to mentor him. And Thomas wanted to be, of course, mentored by Mark English. And he, gosh, he had to say no to something to say yes to this. And it was a well-told story. I'm telling it badly. Forgive me. But anyway, here's the point. The great Mark English is not going to give you a lot of his time mentoring you unless he says, whoa, I want to be your mentor so that <laughs> I when you are great, yeah, I'm going to be the person. You're that already say, good. That's the idea. <laughs> that's the that's a great way to attract a mentor is to prove you're worth the energy and the investment. Yeah. It doesn't just have to be that you got to already be good. There has to be something 
that makes the other person want to mentor you. Yes. And you have to think about human nature, that most humans are selfish and they want something back. Yeah. Could be credit in that case. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes it, it, a lot of high schoolers will present their work and they are so pleased with how committed they were to putting all that detail in there. I was that way. It's like I spent a lot of time on this. One of the first responses to people in the know is that you wasted a lot of time putting so much energy into all of that rendering that you didn't know what it was. You didn't even know it was rendering. All of that detail, all that gradation, it does at least reveal something. Those things that I put 40, 50 hours into a drawing that was a terrible drawing, it revealed in my ignorance that I cared. This is a person who cares about the drawing. This is also a long-term person. I knew a, an illustrator who told me, you put over 100 hours into some of those pictures. We had stuff in a mutual show. He said, I have never in my life spent more than eight hours on an illustration, and they're usually done in an hour because he did these real simple Hallmark card kind of watercolor things that were cartoonish. He made a great living with it, and they were nicely done. But that's another thing is that you see in the work before having been mentored, it's like a it's like a Rorschach test. It's like a, it's like a litmus test for what this person's temperament is, where they're going to go with it. And you can say, I want to invest in that. If you've got that much patience, now we need to take that good quality, patience, and move it away from just putting in detail and apply it to what it's going to take to put a cross contour around it and invent a light source. So yeah. Yeah. Attracting a mentor by showing whatever you've got, appealing with whatever you've got to offer. Yeah. Giving your best work, hoping that they can make it better. Yeah. Another part of part of it is that after you get a mentor, you don't want to lose the mentor. What, um, what's making you think that? Take it seriously. You might have some... You, you might be like planting the seed and someone actually gives you a chance and they look at your work and they, they give you feedback and then a month later you ask for more feedback and you look at their work and you're like, oh, nothing has been fixed. I have the same feedback for you again. Yeah. It doesn't look like you cared at all about what I said. Every little bit of energy that the mentor puts in has to be worth it. Good. Good thing. That yeah. It's not going to be an uphill battle for the mentor. Yeah. One other thing. Choosing the mentor is a part of the creativity too. That you're choosing someone who's, this is what I want to do. That's the one thing that doesn't really have an irony in it. You know what you want to do and you try to find a person who does that and say, I'd like to be your apprentice, your student, your mentee. But then finding someone at some point when you've done the same thing over and over, you start to want to branch out. And that's why the multiple mentor thing. Let me mention two other things. One is, can you be your own mentor? Yeah, you can be your own mentor. And in order to be your own mentor, a therapist told me this, that if you've got stuff going around in your head, you can get all tangled up in your own thoughts. And one of the best things to do is to speak it out loud, that there is something about when it comes out of your mouth and goes into your ear and you hear that I actually said that, that was my real thought. It objectifies it and you are more able to judge it fairly than when it's all inside you. And that is one of the roles of the whiteboard. When you've got it out there in your environment, you're regularly seeing it, you're putting up the things that you're working on. There's a million ways you can design a whiteboard, but it, the idea is to get it out of your mind 
and onto a surface so that you are regularly on a vertical surface seeing it every day. And that is one way to get the feedback loop from inside you to outside you and then back inside you and then back outside you as you dialogue with it and change it regularly. It's interesting. I actually found that helpful when I'm writing scripts mm -hmm. is as I'm writing it, reading it out loud helps me make decisions if it's good or not. Over and over, uh, writers have said that. In fact, Charles Dickens' uh, daughter just took it for, she didn't understand that he would always uh, go over to the mirror and act it out and read it out loud to so see if these characters were coming to life. Hmm. I think Kurt Vonnegut's son said something like that, that his, 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 uh, yeah. he'd find himself writing and then getting up on his feet to read it. Makes that's a big a, difference. That's a common screenwriting tip, especially mm -hmm. because it's dialogue heavy that you want to make sure your characters are naturally speaking. Yeah, yeah. dialogue, yeah, that kind of stuff for sure. But even just in, in education, instructional type writing, it helps me understand if it's clear. Yes. But even before you speak it, there, somebody asked, you know, how important is the process of the typewriter, or the word processor, writing it out longhand. There is something about getting it out onto paper that in your head you thought it was pretty good. And when you put it out on paper, you see where the weaknesses are. Actually, visually see where the weaknesses are. I've got a whole bunch of things here. And then this, 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 this is all scant. The, the visual aspect of it makes a difference. But that's why I'm so big on, on whiteboards as a self-mentoring tool. Now, one other. Yeah. Friends as mentors. This is how it happens I've never seen people get faster trajectories to mastery than when they take a class with a friend. And then when they are out of the class, they're talking about it. And then they go back to the class and they learn more. And then they come out of the class and they debate it and they disagree with it and they apply it and they hold each other accountable to it. It's like a gym uh, buddy. Yes. And it's, it's a relationship where you've got some knowledge and structure and then accountability with friends. It is a, it's a lot of screenwriters work in teams, in fact, but it's, it's a great way to study. Study with someone that you enjoy being with and then you get the shared language and uh, many stories to tell about it, but I'm not gonna elaborate on it right now. That is a great way to have a mentor is someone who's a fellow traveler. Yeah, the accountability thing is a big part of forming a habit as well. And it doesn't have to be someone doing it with you the accountability just means you there is a consequence of you not doing that thing yeah. that you're trying to form a habit like if you announce something publicly like i'm gonna lose 50 pounds mm -hmm. if you don't you're gonna be embarrassed yeah and that's accountability so we went from let's see we went from pros and cons of art school to the knowledge which you're not going to get any art school any knowledge in art school that you couldn't get somewhere else and i think better Who's, how am I going to teach anatomy in a classroom that is going to be any better than what they can get from the productions that you've spent a bazillion years on, right, with the animation second? In fact, a good anatomy teacher would bring in those animations and those, those productions to make the point. So the, and the knowledge is there, but the knowledge needs structure, and that's where classrooms, assignments, teachers that are holding you accountable, projects, deadlines is a part of it. And you need feedback. So we went from knowledge to structure to mentoring. It happens naturally when you are in communities that are seeking the same goal. So friends as mentors and community can be where we, we go next. I agree. I think we should uh, end it here and then let them listen to the next episode. <laughs>